Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. Welcome to another episode of the Authors Podcast. Today, my guest is Janet Mohappy Banks. Janet is an international best-selling author, speaker, and breakthrough coach for established and ambitious female solo entrepreneurs. With a foundational basis of self-love and self-acceptance, Janet mixes metaphysics, mindset, and energy work to help her clients develop the already mind attitude and mindset that takes them through their $100,000 ceiling with ease. Before becoming an international best-selling author, speaker and breakthrough coach, Janet was an award-winning luxury cake designer at the top of her field. She was exactly where she wanted to be, but she overworked so badly that she almost died after developing a life-threatening digestive disorder. After five years of being ill and having prepared her will and arranged her affairs, Janet was thankfully fixed by a chiropractor. So with this second chance of life, it is her mission to help others awaken to the power they have to reach the levels of success they dream of and the abundance, happiness and joy that is our natural state to be in. So with that said on the line, I should have Janet Mohappy Banks. Hello, thank you for having me here. (laughs) Thank you very much for being here, Janet. I think, you know, your story is so inspirational. I mean... I don't even know where to start. I mean, I must say, I personally, I was touched by it. So let's start at the beginning. So in the beginning, you had a cake business. Tell us how that came about. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I used to be a luxury cake designer. Um, I won a Precious Business Award in 2010, which was just amazing. I started that. In fact, it started with me making a birthday cake for my daughter's fourth birthday. And I made like a number four and I decorated it with, you know, sort of ladybirds and flowers and things like that. And then from there, the parents of the children that came to the party said, oh, that's a beautiful cake. Where did you get that? And I said, oh, I made it. And they said, oh, really? Would you make a cake for my son or my daughter? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did that for a little while. And it was, you know, sort of in, in the days of in the night garden. So there were lots of iggle pickles and upsy daisies <laughs> and things like that. So character cakes. But what I found was that that wasn't thrilling to me. Doing somebody else's design 
didn't light me up as much. So that's where I moved into designing my own cakes. And obviously, if you're going to design cakes, then you might as well design really fancy Dan cakes. So that's where I moved into the wedding industry. And me just being me, I decided that if I was going to do luxury wedding cakes, then I was going to do it really well at the top of my career. And so I approached the Ritz and said, I want to be a cake designer for you, please. And they said, okay. (laughs) Eventually they said, okay. I mean, I had to go to them a couple of times, you know, sort of send a few emails, phone them up, say, I sent you emails. Um, Would you like to meet with me? And they eventually said yes. So, and yeah. And so then from there, it was, yeah, just, you know, everything took off. But it was easy. My cake design business was really easy because I absolutely loved it. I really did. And everything just flowed. I just met all the right people. They all just came into my existence. And, you know, I used Twitter in those days to just connect with people. And it was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And it just flowed. It completely flowed completely flowed and um, that was before the days that I knew anything about law of attraction or metaphysics or anything like that I was literally just playing I was playing and having fun and you know going to fancy down parties and yeah living the life it was excellent and up until that point had you ever understood or realized that you flew like you, you I understand what you mean by like things just flowed and things clicked into place but there is something to that and for some people they have the exact opposite everything's a fight everything's a struggle but up until that point did did you realize that there was something that you did or you could do or maybe you couldn't quite put your finger on it or do do you know what I mean like you know some people have that call it magnetism yeah yeah no I mean I always knew that when I decided to do something it happened you know like before to my cake business I um, used to be a computer programmer Mm. Um, so I went to university in my 30s after having my first child well actually I I went just before I had my first child I've only got two children and I just decided I I decided that I was going to have a first class honours degree and so I went and I found out how to get a first class honours degree what do I need to do who do I need to be who has a first class honours degree and I literally just became that person Um, In my second year of the degree course, I realized that I wasn't clicking. It just wasn't clicking properly. So I took a year out in industry, which helped everything to just click into place really nicely. I mean, I I ended up in the end spending five years to get for a three year course because um, I got pregnant halfway through and I was really, really sick with my pregnancy as well, which is kind of weird. And so, you know, I had a bit of time off in the middle, a bit of time in industry. So it took me five years to do a three year course, but I ended up with what my intention was. Yeah, what you'd set out to achieve. Yeah. And again, it, it was just a case of being pulled towards the vision of what I wanted to create. And I know that a lot of people, they do struggle and they do fight. But I think that that is because they don't fully appreciate and don't fully embody the vision that they see as the end result. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in the cake making business, then things are going really well. You're flying. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happened? Oh, then I started throwing up. Well, <laughs> see, what happens as an entrepreneur who loves their job, you mm-hmm. tend to spend a bit too much time doing it sometimes. And that definitely happened with me to begin with. That was the reason that I was spending so much time doing, doing the job. But then I was doing an interview for um, a luxury magazine. 
and the wonderful interview was just in awe because I've never been trained. You know, it was all, I was just literally making it up as I went along. And she was like, wow, you know, like, how did you learn this skill? How are you where you are? And up until that point, I hadn't even consciously questioned it. But as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. God, how did I get here? And then that little seed of doubt was placed inside me. And then my ex, now ex-husband, um, he, he there, was, there was some jealousy, let's say, or some, I don't know, animosity, resentment, mm. yeah, maybe yeah. all of these things. Mm. He had tried to be an entrepreneur before and, you know, his business hadn't taken off. He tried a, a couple of times and nothing had really happened with it. And there I was, I was doing this thing, which I was just having fun. I was going to all these places. I was getting awards. I was in magazines. And he was constantly saying, when are you going to give this up? When are you going to stop this? Mm. So I had that little voice in the back of my head. Then matched with this, oh my God, what am I doing here anyway, little voice. Mm. And that doubt... I, you know, I say that like the seed of doubt was planted by other people, mm. but it was me. It was absolutely me that fed it and watered it. And I tended the soil around that seed and I ensured that it grew and it grew and it grew till it was all that I could think about. It was all encompassing this enormous doubt. And then it turned from being pulled towards my vision to thinking, oh my God, what happens if I lose it all? So grabbing hold of it all so tightly that I literally strangled the life out of it. And, you know, and that's where self-sabotage and imposter syndrome. I mean, I had all of that, absolutely all of that. And yeah, you just turn into this person that is trying to prove her worth all the time, prove that I do deserve to be there, prove to my mm -hmm. husband that, you know, this is an, an, an amazing business that I really deserve to have. Mm -hmm. Because he was full of the non-deservings, you know. Mm -hmm. And that switch in energy is what made me ill, is what killed my business. It's, you know, and nearly killed me. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. So if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Janet Mohappy-Banks and she is the author of Habits for Happiness, best-selling author, international speaker. So Janet, so... Just one day, you just like that, just started throwing up. Yeah, literally. Literally, I just threw up for no apparent reason. And I was like, oh, that's a bit odd. <laughs> yeah. And then I just carried on because I didn't really feel particularly ill at the beginning. I was just being sick. And then it was at an event in, you know, I can't even remember what hotel it was now in Mayfair. And I just had to leave and throw up again. And I was like, oh, this is really bizarre. And then I met with, you know, because um, I was really good friends with all the wedding planners and event planners of the day as well. So, you know, I met up with somebody for breakfast. We had breakfast, then I threw up again. I was like, this is really odd. I'm not, you know, mm. this is horrible. And then the more I threw up, the more the worry of throwing up yes. also got instilled. So I went to the doctor eventually and said, you know, I keep doing this. And they were like, yeah, I have no idea why. I went for so many tests, like unbelievable amount of tests. And all of them were sort of quite inconclusive. I had endoscopies. Have you heard of that? Uh, is that where they go through your nose? No, well, it was actually through my throat. But yeah, okay. they, put, they put a camera down your throat. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's, oh, it's the worst thing. And mm. I had a few of those. <laughs> and one of the things is you're not allowed to eat or drink before the thing for like six hours or four hours or something like that. And, you know, and I sort of abided by the rules. I didn't eat or drink or anything. Um, I think I had like a, a cup of tea first thing in the morning and then this procedure was in the afternoon or something like that. But when they did it, they accused me of drinking this cup of tea just before I came because apparently it was all still in my stomach. It hadn't been digested. So that was like the first clue that there was really something going on in the digestion. And then, then what happened? Then a doctor, one of the doctors said, I li literally have no idea what this could be, but it could be gastroparesis. And I was like, oh, okay. And sometimes you just hear a thing and, it go, and something clicks, even though I didn't know what um, gastroparesis was, mm. something in me clicked and said, oh, that sounds like it. So then I went and did research and it really did sound like it. So gastroparesis is where you have a paralyzed stomach. So food goes in, but then your stomach doesn't know what to do with it. And it was like, oh, okay, so my diet got changed. Um, I couldn't have seeds or nuts or skins, no, like very low fat, um, basically like processed ham sandwiches on white white bread yeah. was like the perfect food. Anything else really irritated me. So more and more and more tests, more and more and more throwing up. I finally, oh, that's right. That's what happened. <laughs> I, you know how you flick through the TV sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. And I never used to watch ITV. I mean, I still don't watch ITV, but I was just flicking through and there was a news article with somebody saying that they had gastroparesis and they were healed by Professor Epstein, or Epstein, of um, oh, Royal, Royal Free Hospital. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was one of those where you just flick, 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 flick. And then you go, oh, hang on, what was that? And so I had to flick back and <laughs> listen properly. So then I went to my GP. This is when we were living in the Epsom, Surrey area. And said, okay, I want to see this person, please. And they said, okay, fine. I'll set that up and they did and so I met with uh, Professor Epstein Steen, had loads more tests and he determined that it was an electrical problem there wasn't an electrical signal going from my brain to my stomach so although it had the symptoms of gastroparesis it wasn't proper official gastroparesis because it wasn't my stomach that was paralyzed it was there was just no signal going so my stomach wasn't getting the information that it needed just like a computer mm. it wasn't getting the information that it needed to know what to do with food and water and things when it came when they came into my stomach so even that just happening to flick through the the station is sort of leading you to possible diagnosis there yeah I know. Isn't the universe amazing? Yeah, I know. I just, one of the books I wrote was called Cosmic Ordering with vision boards and I, I metaphysics, I love it. Like, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm there. <laughs> I know it's only when you look back yes. and you see all the things that slotted into place and like you say you know the chances of me catching that tiny snippet of a news article mm. as I was flicking through it's just amazing when you look back and you can see all the stepping stones that led you to where you are yeah. that's when you realize that you really are fully supported all the time yes. that everything really does work in your greatest favor yeah. everything really is working for you yeah. but you just have to know about it you yeah. have to appreciate the the steps as they come
Yeah. And you can only do that, like I say, when you realize that it's always been the case. Yeah. It's always been the case. Absolutely. So just talk us through how you actually still fortunately are still here. Yeah. So bless him, Professor Epstein, he did absolutely everything that he could do within his knowledge. And he was amazing. He really was. I, I, you know, I have utmost respect for him, but it wasn't working. What he did wasn't working. I had all these experimental devices, all these experimental drugs, and none of it was really working very well. And eventually, after my husband left and, you know, I was left to look after two children, I had to make a really big decision. So I accepted, I had to accept where I was. I had to accept fully the, the situation that I was in, which was, you know, the prognosis was a slow death by starvation. I had to accept that. And once I had accepted that, then I said, right, that is my prognosis. This is what is likely to happen if nothing else changes. But then I had to decide. I had to decide that actually I was going to live. So how was I going to live? What, what was going to come into my life? that would enable me to carry on living. So I would see my, ten, my son's 10th birthday. Because, you know, at one point I was convinced that I wasn't going to. And that's where I was flicking through the paper and saw a little advert for a chiropractor. Because I'd tried a chiropractor before and it wasn't the right chiropractor and it didn't really work. So I'd sort of given up on it. But then as I was flicking through, I saw an advert. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it one more go. So I phoned her up. She saw me that day within like a couple of hours. Um, and we started treatment. And um, yeah, Jade Gillow-Heard in Helston is amazing. She literally saved my life. Sixth session, she cracked my back. I woke up in the middle of the night of that day to the most enormous headache in the side of my head that felt like electricity going up an oak tree is the only real explanation that I have for it. And if you've ever seen um, a picture of a brain cell, Mm. it looks like a goddamn oak tree. (laughs) I was amazed. (laughs) But I could feel that going up the side of my head and it was just really intense, but really short. And I woke up the following morning pain-free for the first time in over four and a half years. And then it took from May to August for all the symptoms to, to disappear completely. But then as soon as they had, I knew that I was here to help people, to help people really live because that, that feeling of waking up pain-free mm-hmm. is something that if I could have bottled, I would have been able to sell for like millions and millions literally mm-hmm. it's the most incredible feeling you've ever ever had and people if you haven't been through something like this you don't appreciate what you have yeah. you don't appreciate having no pain you don't appreciate having life so yeah. you know part of what i do is to help people appreciate the life that they have because as soon as you start doing that you know everybody talks about gratitude but really it's more appreciation Mm. appreciate really appreciating the life you have and then that is what draws the life that you want to you and maybe you know it was all part of the plan where it's almost you need to to have this sort of close to the edge experience to kickstart you in in another direction almost maybe yeah maybe Mm. who knows I mean this was the journey that I went on definitely Mm. 
you know if, if this hadn't happened i would probably still be making cakes but i know that i'm helping a load more people now than i was then i'm, I'm far more i don't know maybe far more benefit to the world than i was making fancy dan cakes <laughs> my cakes were really fancy but you know. <laughs> yeah but, but that business had to come to an end because of your illness yeah yeah absolutely and closing that was one of the hardest things i've ever done you know it was a baby my my business was my baby but yeah there was no way i could carry on and you know people have said well i could have sold it and yes i probably could have but i was having a tantrum at the time so. <laughs> <laughs> you know you just took the question out of my mind actually I, 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 that is what i wanted to ask you like could you not have sold it i mean no, no, I couldn't because I just couldn't. I, I just killed it. I killed everything about it. Yeah. I, I had worked so hard, so hard to keep it. And like I say, at that point, I was in this real energy of proving it, proving that I was supposed to be there, proving, 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 a real pushing, horrible, destructive energy. So yeah, when it was taken away, I was it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> It all goes. If I can't have it, nobody can have it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Janet Mohappy Banks, who's the author of Habits for Happiness. And Janet is a breakthrough coach. So what we'll do now is we'll look into how the breakthrough coaching came about. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. So Janet, you've made a recovery. Did you ever actually at that point think that you would reopen the cake business? Or did you think, no, I've a flash of inspiration here. I know what my life purpose is. Uh, no, I never thought of going back to the cakes. There were a couple of reasons for that. The main one being that I had moved when I got really ill. I moved from the London area down to Cornwall because, mm. you know, like I said, you know, I was likely to die and I wanted to be popping off from a beautiful place. Mm. And at the time as well, I had two small children and I thought that living in a rural setting with beaches just on the, you know, sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, with beaches within you know minutes walk would be really good for them so no I never thought about going back to the cakes because I was in a completely different place mm. but and um, you know once you sell cakes to the Ritz like mm. selling cakes to little you know Bob's coffee shop or whatever isn't quite the same thing and also uh, one of my mottos is onwards and forever forwards so, you know, when you've done something, if it hasn't worked for whatever reason, I don't believe in like flogging the dead horse, as mm. it were. There's always something better. When a door closes, there's always another one that is, that is opening for you. I think a lot of the struggle that people experience is because they're refusing to move on from closing doors. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. You know, they're like trying to jam them open when they shouldn't be open. They should be mm. closing. That's mm. like the purpose. <laughs> and, and that's part of being in flow, just going with it and not struggling and yeah. fighting. It. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you decide to write a book? Oh, wow. The book came about two years after I started coaching. Mm. I need to write another book. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really do because my coaching practice has changed so dramatically since I wrote the book um the book you know I, I literally wrote it in I don't know less than a week mm. of actual sitting down and writing the book it was yeah you know between like probably about five days if I'm honest but the reason that it came out so quickly was because it had been years in the making yes that makes sense yes so it's you know it, my book habits for happiness is at the foundation level the foundation of creating a really happy life it really is it's the foundation level of accepting everything that you have and appreciation and you know but the people I work with now are much further along both spiritually you know both in their like in their journey and in their business as well so yeah that's why I need to write a new book <laughs> that, that follows on from this one really like the next stages after you've been introduced to spirituality because that's what it is you know like personal development really is spiritual development okay that's interesting i'm a massive fan of personal development and i i understand that i do see what you mean i love it i, I just think it's it's great so habits for happiness because a lot of people do think you know writing a book has to take a long time i think the idea bubbling around in your mind is often percolating it's germinating or whatever the yeah. word is you know and it's it's there and then to actually have the download and to get it down on paper it can flow quite quickly if you capture it i think even um jk rowling she said that she started off in um i think it was king's cross she was on the train going back to edinburgh i believe it is where she lives and the whole harry potter series just flowed she just had it right down just in that one train journey not not the whole written the whole book but you know just like the whole yeah. idea kind of yeah the framework yes absolutely so writing the book then the habits for happiness so once it was down what did you do then like how did you go about it any tips for anyone out there who maybe they've written something and they're like oh now what ah okay so now what there's a whole process mm. to marketing books mm. and get and like mm. triggering the amazon algorithm and things like that mm. and it's based around keywords it's based around the amount of support you get when you first release your books and the categories that you release it into as well. So if you've just written a book, my advice would be to get a really cool launch team behind you who will go in, they will purchase your book. You know, for if you sign up to the KDP, the Kindle something or other, I don't know what KDP stands for actually, Kindle Direct Publishing, I think it is. Then you can launch a book for free for a number of days. So you can do that and then get all of your supporters, you know, and I really do recommend getting at least 100, 100 people in on your side who are going to support your book, who are going to download it for free on the Kindle during this promotion days. Then setting your book at a reasonable price that um, is quite affordable for the majority of people and getting the, your support team to review it and to spread the word about it so other people appreciate it as well. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. There are so many people, I think, that have written a book and even published a book, but then not had the support team behind them to really promote it fully yeah and I think you know having the support team is crucial actually if you're writing a book you need this team behind you to help you to help you push it forwards into the hands of the people who need it yeah because I think you, you're quite right a lot of people think uh, it just ends there like oh, okay I've written this book but no I think that's actually where the work begins <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> 
So how do you work with clients now in terms of your coaching business? Yeah, the work I do now... It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. No, because I, I, I'm enjoying talking to you. And if there's people out there that's like, oh my gosh, I want Janet to be my breakthrough coach. Like, yeah, she's got that energy. Like, I love it. Like, how can people work with you, Janet? Yeah, you know, you just send me a message and then we'll have a chat um, and I'll see where you're at and where you want to be. Um, my ideal client mm-hmm. is already bringing in money. So they don't need a money making strategy anymore. They've gone through the trials and tribulations of figuring out how to bring money in. But then what often happens with my clients, they get stuck at a certain level. And, you know, because I work with people around the $100,000 a year mark, they get stuck there. And it's quite easy to get stuck there because it's quite comfortable there. You know, you're no longer like this starving artist (laughs) anymore. And so there's a bit of fear that creeps in that if you try pushing it further, then you'll lose what you've got. There's lots of money stories that often my clients experience about the fact that, you know, this is a lot of money and, you know, maybe I don't really deserve it. Like I did with my cake business, you know. So we go into all of that, all the self-worth, all the, um, do we really, really want more than this? Is this enough for us? And generally with my clients, because they are very, very driven women, that is nowhere near enough. But the fact that they're not getting past it is really frustrating for them. Um, so we deal with all that. And it generally boils down to a case of self-love and self-acceptance and self-worth. When you figure out those pieces, everything else just slots into place. Because when you love yourself so completely that not taking the action steps to make yourself abundantly happy just doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense for you to to be sitting on the sofa when a part of you is going, oh, but I really would love that. Then you go, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) So you just take the action steps really quite easily. So, you know, we work a lot with the mindset and obviously, you know, the metaphysics as well of the fact that we are always supported. We are always supported. And when you become a vibrational match for the things that you want, Mm. they just pop into your life. They really do. Yeah. Do you want me to explain vibrational no, I, match? <laughs> I know what you mean. I, yes, I'm completely with you. But yes, please, for, for those out there that are like wondering, what does that mean? Yeah. I know, right? So I realise this, but often I talk and talk and, and I can talk about this until the cows come home. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, then it doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> so we are energetic beings. And as a result, we emit an electromagnetic energetic pulse, if you like, to the universe. And everything, everything is made out of energy. And energy attracts like energy. So if you are constantly thinking bad things are going to happen, you're an energetic match for bad things. You are emitting an energetic pulse that says bad things, bad things, bad things. So bad things generally come. You've heard that expression, you know, the three thing, you know, bad things happen in threes. Yeah. So the first bad thing happens and then you're expecting another bad thing to happen. So that happens. And then you're expecting another one to happen. So that happens. And then you're like, okay, that's my three done now. So you don't get a fourth. It's like magic. (laughs) 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 that's the way the universe works it works very very scientifically it's scientific um equations really what you put out you get back 
And the difficulty that people have is becoming the energetic match for the thing that they want, really feeling into who they are when they have that thing. Because that's like the trick of it. The crucial bit is the feeling into it. So you can say all the affirmations you like, but unless you're actually feeling it in your heart and feeling it in your, like, your whole being, mm. you're not going to become an energetic match for it because you're going to be fighting yourself. So on a subconscious level, we can get into this situation where subconsciously we don't feel that we deserve a particular thing, but consciously we really want that thing. But because mm. the subconscious is stronger than the conscious, the subconscious rules. Yeah. So you have to change the subconscious programming to be able to feel to your very, very core yeah. the what you want to get is already there. And I think a lot of people really maybe underestimate how strong the subconscious programming is. And you've got to think, yeah. you know, it's just things you do automatically and you just without even thinking. You know, sometimes you could be driving a car, you get from A to B. You can't even remember the route or how you got there. You just went on to autopilot. That's far stronger. And you can stay in that kind of zone for a lot longer than when you're consciously doing something. So... Yeah. Working on the subconscious, I, I think, is essential. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like the whole of our lives is run by at least 95% from our subconscious. And we learn these subconscious behaviors from living from very, very young age. They say that the majority of your subconscious programming has been put into your brain by the time you're six or seven. Yeah. So that little voice in the back of your head that's saying, who on earth do you think you are to do that? That's just a recorded message that you've heard growing up. That little tug of, you know, it doesn't feel safe out there. That's actually like your sort of five or six year old version of you that is really trying to protect you. That's the one that is calling the shots. And once you realize that that little voice isn't you, that you are not your thoughts and you can just observe your thoughts and then reassure your thoughts and say, you know what? Thank you so much for protecting me, but I'm all right. I've got this then you are in a really strong position to actually consciously create the life that you want because you're no longer running on this autopilot of your subconscious upbringing. Yeah? Now you're actually choosing, am I going to believe this thought or am I, am I going to choose a different one? Am I going to believe this is true about me that I really can't get to $500,000 a year? Am I really going to believe that? Or am I going to believe a different story about me? Because we literally run our entire lives on stories. Mm. The stories that we subconsciously run our lives on are the stories that we've always been told about us from other people. So to get to where you want to go, you've got to tell yourself a different story. The story of who you are when you're there, when you're in this place where you really want to be, who are you then? Because you don't have to be the person that you've always been brought up to believe that you are. You're infinite. You can be anything you want. Anything. And on that note, Janet, I feel, you know, just so, <laughs> so motivated and inspired. So we get to choose how we define who we are and the life yeah, that we live. Absolutely. That's it. So fantastic. So listeners, if you are as inspired as I am, head on over to Janet's website. So Janet's website is JanetMohappyBanksCoaching.com. That's right. Let me spell that for you. Janet, J-A-N-E-T, Mohappy, M-O-H-A-P-I, Banks, 
B-A-N-K-S-Coaching.com. Janet Mohappy Banks Coaching.com. And you can also find Janet on Facebook, Janet Mohappy Banks. Probably safe to say there is only one Janet Mohappy Banks. So the world only needs one Janet Mohappy Banks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janet can be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And her book, once again, is Habits for Happiness. And that's a a best-selling book. So, Janet, thank you very, very much for being a guest on the Authors Podcast. It's been very inspirational. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. And so, listeners, that concludes another episode of the Authors Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our authors community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.